Welcome to the simplicity of happiness when more is too much. This podcast offers tips and techniques for a better life. And before we start with another episode of the Simplicity of Happiness podcast, I would like to remind you that you can find out all about me and my thoughts on simplicityofhappiness.com as well as Patreon, where I am providing extra content for all of you who support me and the education of children in Africa. And now relax and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and well, good to see you, <laughs> or good to well, be able to crawl into your ears at the moment. If you are listening to this um, via the podcast app of your choice, you can, if you want, also view myself and my guests, because I'm recording a video session for around about the last 10 episodes. I found out it, it is giving a better impression of myself the body language and the guests and so if you want if you want to head over to youtube and like like my social media handle at most of the other social media networks if you're looking for flojo so it'd be youtube.com slash flojo you will find all of my videos at least those that are public because i am regularly um recording podcasts no, not podcasts, but videos that are not public, meaning they are for my patrons only or they are somewhere on the Simplicity of Happiness site under the resource section. And, um, well, I want you to sign up to the newsletter to, to view them. They're completely free and I'm, and I'm giving my best to create meaningful content. But in order to access it, you have to sign up to my to my newsletter. Today, I I decided to do this little well pre pre recording um, before we head over to the real podcast because it is a special guest of mine. And I don't think I'm introducing him the way I should. And um, while listening, I I I don't really like myself. I. I'm interrupting him uh, uh, quite a bit, but I enjoyed it so much. I mean, this was this was like meeting an old friend. So just in case that you are listening to this, <laughs> thank you, Ryan. Um, well, it, it, it was a blast. I could have talked the whole day, and not only about the simplicity of happiness or minimalism, but about snowboarding and everything else. So I really hope that one day we'll meet, uh, we'll meet in person. Um, I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt him at any way because I like what he's saying. I love what he's saying. He is a major inspiration for myself in the last 10 years. I'm listening to his podcast. You can um, find everything about him and his business partner Josh at theminimalists.com. They have a YouTube channel, they have a podcast, they have a private podcast where you have to be a patron member to, to be able to listen to it. They also have two documentaries on Netflix. So when you search the web for The Minimalists, 
you will find definitely a bunch of content and their books because they are writing books together and um, um, they are very well written. Well, now I let you go. I hope you enjoy the recording with Ryan Nicodemus of The Minimalists. Um, and uh, I, I just... I just hope for another conversation, something longer, something deeper, maybe some kind of uh, recurring recordings. Well, thank you for being here. Thank you for being you. And now sit back and enjoy the show. Thank you. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Simplicity of Happiness podcast in my kitchen and I'm thrilled um, that I have somebody without a fake background <laughs> in the interview. Um, Ryan Nicodemus of The Minimalists and um, well, hello and welcome to my kitchen. <laughs> mm, thanks so much for having me, Flo. This is, uh, this is great and I am so pleased to be here and man, you just have We will find out. Yes. Well, you have such an amazing uh, spirit about you that um, I'm just so happy to be talking to you, man. You, you're very, you're a very jovial person, and um, I, I don't know. I've only been talking to you for you know a few minutes here uh, before you said the hello there, and man, my heart is already filled, man. So uh, you're, I'm looking forward to this. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, and um, <laughs> I'll see you in a week. <laughs> can't <laughs> right, be better exactly. than. Can't be any better than this. You yeah. know that you are one of the people I wanted to have interviewed years ago. Mm. And back then I was doing interviews. Mm -hmm. And I was too I talked to I talked to Jess about this and Jess said, well, just text Ryan. Mm -hmm. And I was too scared. <laughs> I thought, oh, the big minimalists, wow, they don't <laughs> want to talk to me. And then I started doing interviews. And what happened in between is that I lost my, but I lost my respect and I gained respect for all the people. I'm just treating everybody equal. I mean, we are just the same. We like Amen. snowboarding. You still have hair. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, <sighs> and this is why I wanted to do meaningful conversations. Mm. And what I'm asking myself the whole day is what would make this a meaningful conversation for you? Mm. Yeah. Um, for me, to make this a meaningful conversation, you know, I don't know. I'd love to talk about why consumerism is a problem. I'd love to talk about, you know, how we got here. I'd love to hear about your story um, because it sounds like we have a very similar story with uh, kind of chasing. Yeah. Well, then you have to in invite me for it. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Exa yeah, exactly. But, you know, I mean, the reason why, <clears throat> the reason why I do what I do uh, this, this conversation or whether, you know, we're on a big fancy schmancy TV show in the United States, you know, I mean, The reason why I do this is because I have always had an innate desire to teach. And, you know, as a kid, I just remember always 
looking up to my teachers and there's some teachers I really loved and like helped me grow as a person. But then there were some teachers that I looked at and I was like, they're doing it wrong. Like Mm. if I was a teacher, I would be doing this completely different. So, you know, I, uh, my first experience with teaching, believe it or not, was I was about 21. Uh, I was working at a daycare where they take care of little kids. My, my cousin had worked there and I needed a job badly. And she was like, Ryan, she's like, you're going to be great with kids. She's like, you need to come out to the daycare, have them interview you. They need help with summer camp. So, you know, in the summer, the kids are out of school. Mm-hmm. So at the daycare, they have, they have an influx of kids during the summer and they go on field trips. They go to the pool, they go to roller coaster parks, you know, they do a lot of, so I thought, oh, that sounds great. Like it would be so cool to hang out with kids and, to go on these field trips. Um, but what I didn't realize I would get out of that experience was really um, just, you know, I saw a lot of kids who reminded me of myself when I was a kid. And I know, I know about the care and the attention that I needed that wasn't given to me. <laughs> so for me, it was such a beautiful opportunity to see some children um, who needed that care and attention and, and I could give that to them. And, you know, I really feel like there were some children's lives who I very much, um, I, I changed for the better. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. So that was my first experience with teaching. And then I got, you know, the offer to go work at a fancy corporations, uh, corporation in, in telecommunications. Yeah. And, uh, because I certainly wasn't making, you know, teachers don't make a lot of money. I don't know how it is in, in Europe, but. Better, um, much better. Yeah. So esp- especially as a daycare teacher, because I didn't have a degree, I, you know, I was paid even less. Yeah. So I saw an opportunity to go and make a bunch of money and to be honest flow. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, start- I prefer honesty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, when I say to be honest, really what it means is to be frank, to, you know, to be, yeah. to be upfront. <laughs> Um, I like that as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so be so, frankly honest. <laughs> yeah. So I took on that job at the daycare because I thought to myself, man, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to be working with all kids and I'm going to be working with all women. This is going to be awesome, right? So fast forward seven or eight months into that job, I'm like, I'm working with all kids. I'm working with all women. Like, you know, what, what had become... The reason why I started working there, it kind of became why I wanted to leave is because I just, uh, uh, you know, it just wasn't all what it was cracked up to be. So I found an opportunity to go be a a salesman uh, at a telecommunications company. And what I learned as a salesman, um, see, in the United States, like when you you hear of a salesman, you think of somebody who's dishonest, someone who's misleading, someone who's just trying to get money someone who's like, like there's a, there's a term called sleazy car salesman. Have you ever heard this terminal? Okay. So like that is, that was my impression of salesmen. Um, so, you know, it wasn't until my best friend, Josh Milburn, he was like, Hey, you can come work for me and be a salesman. And I'm like, I don't want to be a sleazy. I don't want to be a sleazy salesman. He's like, you won't be, don't worry about it. So what I learned as a salesman is that when someone walks through the door, whether or not they're trying to buy a cell phone or whether or not they're trying to buy a car or a house, they want to be sold. That is why they are there. They are there to be sold a product. So what I learned as a salesman is that if I'm honest and if I'm upfront and if I am just, 
if I have the best of intentions for the, if I'm actually looking out for that person, you actually become a really good salesman. It's possible to be a salesman and to be a good person. So what I learned is like, I am actually educating, I am teaching these customers coming through the door. So I think that's why it worked out for me so well to climb the corporate ladder because I just kept finding different ways to teach people in this corporation, whether it was customers or whether it was my employees or whether it was uh, the managers underneath me who would teach their employees. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, I think what really connected with me, but there, you know, there was a certain point where I realized that the money and chasing the money was doing something to me that it was making me be uh, a very disingenuous person. And uh, it was creating this hunger that uh, it was just ma- like, it was just making me be someone who I wasn't. So I think about um, when, I was, uh, when I was managing retail stores and uh, there was this one particular instance where this person came in, they had their little five-year-old with them. They purchased the phone, they left. And I went to, this, I went to my employee and I said, why didn't you sell that five-year-old a phone? And he was like, he's five years old. Like a five-year-old doesn't need a phone. I'm like, well, that's not for you to decide. That's for the parent to decide. But here is how you can talk the parent into selling this phone to a five-year-old. So like that was probably my first taste of like, it didn't feel right, but I was just doing my job. So like, that's what I would tell myself. Well, you're just doing your job, Ryan. Like it's okay. Um, But you know, but there were just moments like that, that built up over time where I was, just, you know, I was forsaking my values and, um, I, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it anymore. So, you know, I eventually had to, had, had to leave that job. What were you going to say, Flo? What are your values? What are my values? Yeah, man. Um, well, we wrote about it in minimalism, live a meaningful life. I think Well, I'm going to jump in there for a second. Yeah, for everybody, for everybody who does not know who you are, because I I just said, hello, Ryan. (laughs) Uh, uh And uh, uh. this should be, this should be completely satisfying for today's, for today's Mm -hmm. episode, because if you are interested, you listener, (laughs) if you are interested in, in decluttering, well, mind or material possessions, because you are looking for something more meaningful. And this is what I see so often in these young students when I, when I was um, uh, coaching at, uh, at the business school. They, were, they had so many opportunities and they could do everything. But you can only, well, if you want to say truly yes to something, you have to say no to everything else. Amen. And what we learn is that we let everything in. So if you want to learn anything about this, e- even the how-tos. <laughs> yeah, there are, we have some how-tos, yeah. <laughs> Visit The Minimalist. You have several books out. Mm. You, can, you are, I think it's primarily Josh who's writing the essays, right? Or are you oh, yeah. together? Yeah. 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 So Josh is writing um, outstanding essays. You mm-hmm. have two documentaries out, both on Netflix. Yeah. I think one is called The Minimalist and the other one is called Less Is Now. One is called, uh, one is called uh, The Minimalists, Minimalism. Less Less Is Now, and then the other one is Minimalism, 
a documentary mm. about the important things. Yes. Yeah. And um, but if you if you're looking for minimalist in Netflix, you will find it. And so if you want to know anything about that message or the how-tos or downloads, mm. visit that website and you will find tons of information. This is why yeah. today I'm I'm more digging into the person. Um, yeah. so back to it. that, what is I mean, if you so put, what are No, that's not what you wrote in that book, but right now, yeah, standing standing in front of me, what what, yeah. what are your two main values? My two my two main values would be uh, my health and relationships, and that mm -hmm. holds true in that book. That's why I reference that book is because yeah. whatever we wrote in that book as our foundational values, it still holds true to this day. Now, it's interesting though, Flo. Um, that may change tomorrow. It may change five years from now, you know, and that's okay. And I think that's where I think people, you know, people look, they're searching for answers, but those answers that one receives, it might be the right answer at that time, but it may not be the right answer, you know, 10 years yeah. down the road. So it's important to have these values and, and have your beliefs, but you know, don't hold on to them too tightly because yeah, the moment, the moment yeah. you stop changing your debt. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, what, yeah. So, what, the, the, I just want to tell people, and I don't know if yeah. you do show notes or not, but like they can just go yes. to the minimalists.com yeah. and everything that you said is there on the yeah. website. So, if you can go to one place and it has everything. Yeah. Well, I, you, you could even scroll through my blog or, or look for minimalists. I think I, I mentioned your trailers and I mentioned some books there. So, mm. and I, I, every once in a while, I'm writing about something that I heard from, mm. from the two of you. Um, so, <coughs> oh, excuse me. So you it's can okay. definitely find anything uh, if you just look for the minimalist on, uh, on on my blog, or you just mm -hmm. Google the minimalist, and you're right there. And I do show notes, and I will link it there. Yeah. You said that there is a new book coming out, right? Yes, there is. Is this already on pre-sale or order or anything like this? It's on pre-sale. It comes out in July. Mm -hmm. It's called Love People Use Things. And it's interesting how that was a total mistake. Can I tell you the story about th that whole saying, Love People Use Things? I think I have heard it, but okay. yes. Well, I mean, <laughs> for, for, your, for your listeners, well, it's interesting. Um, it's interesting. We were on tour and there's a Drake song that uh, he has a line in there where he's, he's talking to his like ex-girlfriend and he's like, I wish, uh, um, I wish you wouldn't love things and use people and instead do the opposite. Something I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. That's not the exact line. And when Josh and I were listening, we were on tour in 2014. We were listening to this and Josh is like, he's like, you know, that's, he's like, that's, we're going to, we're going to have to start like using this at our events because that's really what our message boils down to. And so during our events, it would always pop up where he would be like, you know, I try to like love people and use things, you know, because the opposite never works. And every time he said that, I just saw people kind of, you know, I saw their energy shift, their bodies shift because it really resonated. And I went to Joshua and I was like, how often do you call him Joshua? I call him, I call him all sorts of things. I call him Millie. I call him Josh. <laughs> I call him Milburn. I call him all sorts of things. So I'm talking to Millie. And I was like, I was like, man, that's a very powerful, that's a very powerful saying. And we need to start ending every single one of our talks with love people 
and use things because the opposite never works because that in itself sums up our entire message. So we started doing that 2014 and now it has become our, it's kind of how we close out our podcast. It's what we end the first documentary uh, minimalism that we ended on, on that line, because that's ultimately what we're trying to do. We're really trying to help people emotionally get to, because intellectually it makes sense. Oh yeah. Love people use things because the opposite never works, but to get there emotionally, it's a very long road. It's a very, it's a very, everyone's path is a little bit different, right? So you asked about, you know, what can we, how can we make this a meaningful conversation? And really yeah. like, that's how we can do it. Like, I just want to help. And, and I want to teach people how to get there emotionally where they, they can feel uh, the, you know, the, they, they can feel those words rather than just hear them. It's the same thing with any cliche. You hear money doesn't buy happiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Money doesn't buy happiness. But until you emotionally connect with that, the, the intellectually, it doesn't mean anything. So this book, I will talk about this book just a little bit because I, I think it's very important because I know people are uh, watching this right now and or listening to this. And yes, they are saying, yeah, Ryan, that makes sense. Love people and use things. The opposite never works. However, I still have this desire to make a bunch of money. I still have this desire to get a better car. I still have this desire to buy a bigger house. I still have this desire to go on vacation. And people, they will do things like rack up credit card debt, they will, uh, you know, they'll work 60, 70, 80 hour work weeks to, to be able to afford those things. Um, and I, I'm hoping to help people and to teach people how to not have to forsake, you know, that, the, those resources in, yeah. in order to, to, to fulfill what is the goals. last, what is the last bigger item that you bought? Oh, uh, I bought a car a year ago. I bought, okay. Yeah, I bought why a. Did uh, you, why did you buy a car? <laughs> I bought a car because I had a 2004 Toyota Corolla, <laughs> the, the famous one. Yes, it had about uh, 300,000 miles on it, and it was time to get a new car. And my wife and I, we had been saving for the last three years because we don't go into debt. So we have been saving for the last three years to purchase a car we've also uh been saving like for a house um we we've uh I, i got lucky a few years ago or maybe five years ago i bought some tesla stock and like it has done really really well so um i had enough money from my tesla stock plus the money that we had saved up to go buy a tesla and i really wanted to get a tesla flow Like, and you know, there's all those things I could say, like, it saves the environment, it drives itself, it's got the, you know, all the cool gadgets and, you know, it's a very well-made car and it's very easy to like talk myself into buying that. And I went to Josh and I was like, Hey man, I think I'm going to buy a Tesla. And he was like, are you, are you going into debt for it? And I'm like, no, I was like, I was, I have enough money. I can, you know, drop, drop the money and buy this Tesla. He goes, he's like, Ryan, you don't own a house yet. I'm like, yeah, that's true. He was like, do you, do you feel good about purchasing a Tesla before you own a home? And I was like, oh, I'm like, you know what? That's, that's a very good point. Like, it seems kind of silly. <laughs> it seems kind of silly to spend, you know, $50,000 on a car or, you know, that's like after taxes and everything before I own a house. So 
Um, we ended up buying a uh, 2016 Toyota RAV4. It's a hybrid, um, and, and it does have some bells and whistles on it, but it, it, you know, it ended up being like $18,000. And the reason why I'm even telling this story is because me as one of the minimalists, I wish I could say, hey, Flo, if you and your listeners, if you go read our books, if you watch our documentaries and listen to all our podcasts, you'll never want to buy anything again in your life. Oh, I want to buy so many things. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, I, I want to show people who are watching this and uh, show people who are listening to this that these impulses are always going to be there. Yeah. These and I think that is, this is exactly why I asked. This is why I wanted to have an, 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 an example from you because this is giving, I mean, this is real life. Mm -hmm. I, well, let's talk about snowboards. There are so many yeah. nice oh snowboards out there. And by the way, We bought we bought a car this year. Oh, okay. And we bought a SUV. We were looking at the RAV4, um, and we ended up with a Mercedes Mercedes Benz um, a G, GLK, is it? Well, whatever. So yeah. the the um, the off road version. And when we saw that, I have, I like status. I like to be special. This mm. is why I have no problem with. Bigger cars. My girlfriend has a big problem with it. She saw the car and was like, never ever am I going to drive anything with a star at the front. Mm. So she always wants understatement. And then we looked at a lot of different other cars. Mm. This one came, we could pay for it cash. It's used from 2012, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really solid. And we asked ourselves, what do we want to use it for? Mm. It was not about having a bigger car. It was about, well, I got myself a little Corona project, so I'm raising all kinds of animals now. Mm. And I have a boat, <laughs> which I'm, and, and both are things that I want, that I want to sh share with people. Mm -hmm. so for the boat i want to invite other people i want to rent it out um for the for the animals i like having high quality ethical food so i'm sharing this with a lot of other people and i needed to have a, i think it's called a clutch right mm, yes Where you put it so i needed a clutch i needed mm -hmm. a car which is which is strong enough um, we needed to have a four-wheel drive because we're living in the mountains and we had a very, very, very small, small Lancia Y before. So that was the smallest car possible and it gets stuck all of the time. And my, my girlfriend <laughs> is a doctor. So she sometimes she needs to go in the middle of the night and she needs to go down the mountain. So it sucks if you don't have four, a four-wheel drive. And we did not want to buy an extra camper because... We like to be out in the mountains, go mm -hmm. hiking, and then sleep in the car. Yeah. And this one had the possibility that you could open the trunk and make it completely flat that you can sleep inside. Mm. And there's okay. Now we are getting basically three cars, and we are and and we needed so much. Right now it's completely full because I I, I just went to the mountain cabin and I brought stuff up there and down and um and my uh, my barn is like like this on on the mountain and this mm. car makes it all the way up there at least in the summer when there's no snow so this is i think one of these examples we ask ourselves what do we need it for yeah and we have no problem whatsoever to 
to use it, to make it dirty, to p put crap in there mm. and to borrow it to other people. Mm. So if my neighbor now needs something to be pulled by a, by a stronger car, I say, okay, I'm going to do that yeah. because we can. Yeah, and I think this is what 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 you just said, and I was I was really curious about the Tesla. I I wanted to know how, how did you make that reasonable? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Tesla was a luxury. It was, uh, but, but you know, it, and this is you know, you asked me what my values were in relationships. Mm -hmm. The reason why it's so important for me is because I know that I'm stronger with uh, with good relationships in my life. Like with Joshua, I could go to him. And I could, you know, I could get his advice on this yeah. and I know he's going to be honest and upfront. And he did, he helped me think it through and kind of helped me, you know, uh, reel back a little bit, that impulse to get the Tesla, mm -hmm. but there's nothing wrong with owning a Tesla. Like, do you, do you right? own luxury items? Well, I mean, what's luxury? I mean, you know, I look I at- I don't know. Uh, you brought it up. Yeah. You said the Tesla is oh, a luxury yeah. item. Oh, okay. So. so luxury. Okay. So luxury, I look at, it's, it's like, it's not, it's a non-essential item and- so what I mean by that is, you know, like a car, te I technically don't need a car. Like I could Uber places. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of public transit. I have a bike. So I don't, you know, it's not absolutely essential. I'm, but regardless though, uh, you take a non-essential item and you get all the bells and whistles with it. Like to me, that's what luxury is. It's like, it's getting something that, you know, first off you probably don't need or you could you know you could live a pretty good life without it yeah yeah so that's what i mean by non-essential and then you have all of these like extra bells and whistles to it so luxury items i mean yeah i don't really own i don't really own any i just bought a new uh i just bought a new iphone because i had the iphone 5 and like it was just time to finally get a new phone and like i yeah I should have bought it a year ago, but I tried to like make do with what I had. Um, so there's a certain point where, you know, um, the, uh, the benefit uh, outweighs the cost. So what I mean by mm -hmm. that is like that iPhone five, you know, the benefit was not having to spend money. It was, you know, sticking with my principles of like, I'm not going to upgrade. Well, then there's a certain point though, where like that cost is too high and I have to like weigh that out. So yeah, I, you know, literally just got this like a week or two ago. Um, so yeah, I mean, but I consider that a luxury item, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I upgraded my iPad pro mm. to the newest iPad pro uh, 2020 mm. version just uh, two months ago mm. um, because I'm doing everything. I don't have a computer. When I got this, I said, okay, if I want to get an iPad pro, it says it's your new computer. So you have to get rid of the computer. So I get rid of my Mac mm. and now I'm doing everything with the phone and the iPad. Which, oh, wow. And with sailing up in the mountains and traveling in Africa so much, especially with the charging, it's so much easier because you can uh, charge it with the USB. So, well, I found a lot of reasons why it makes sense for me. The newest yeah. upgrade for me was just luxury. Mm. It's bigger, it's smoother and well, my work got so much easier mm. right now. And this is interesting because normally luxury, I, I have, I found out for myself what luxury is for me. Mm. It's something that feels good that I don't have every day. I wrote, I, I, I made a podcast episode about luxury mm. and I had my first 
hot shower after months because I was living in Zanzibar and we only had the cold shower and we were traveling and then um, it, was, it was raining. I was completely cold and they had a hot shower there. I think I, I, I was standing half an hour in the, in the hot shower. But as soon as I get used to this, I take it for granted. Yeah. So what actually is adding a lot to my life is downsizing again and again and again and again because going without something shows me the luxury of having it again and i'm so much more appreci appreciative of this and with this uh with this ipad so far every single day that i'm working with it i'm happy because it makes it easier and then i think i'm questioning is it the luxury or is it actually something i need because the old one was working yeah but if i now have have have, have more fun and am faster Yeah. It's yeah. like it's like upgrading a tool. Yeah. I totally I totally agree with that flow. I mean, really what I hear you saying is for you it might be a luxury, but there's a lot of benefits that come along with that luxury. Yeah. And you know, I think it's important for people watching this and listening to this to understand that like what is luxury for you, it may not be luxury for them, you know? I mean, it's 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 different for each person. Yeah. So, you know, this isn't like an endorsement on go and upgrade your cell phone, go and upgrade your iPad, but it's also not speaking against them. It's, yeah. you know, it's really about the helping. Is, help. Do you need it? Yes. And exactly. what for? Yeah. Why, Does it why, add value yeah. to your life? Right. <laughs> I heard why somebody say that before. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh man. Um, no, I, uh, yeah, I ask, I go through this all the time, especially with technology and asking myself if I need to upgrade things, but you're right. Like the hot shower, that's a luxury. My, the, the, I have an electric, uh, teapot. I can just like set the thing on there. I hit a button and it boils water. And we had, uh, I live in Los Angeles. We had no power for three days last week for three days. We had no power. And I had like a little camp stove that I was using to boil water. And it helped me appreciate like, oh, this teapot that I can just push a button and, and, you know, electrically like heat the water up. Like that's a luxury. So yeah, it's, uh, yeah, 2019, yeah. I was, I was altogether 10 months on a boat and it's an historic all wooden Nordic boat. And I restored mm. it and we were sitting around the Mediterranean And um, for a couple of months, my girlfriend and the dog was there. And it's a tiny boat. And we had to cook everything on a pet pet petroleum cooker. Oh and <laughs> we were always anchoring. That means every stupid powerboat which passed oh, turned us sideways. So we, had, yeah. we, we could only cook in one pot because you had to hold the pot all the time. So for us, it was, I mean, you switch on the fire and it's hot directly. Um, you don't have to refill the petroleum and you don't have to hold the pot from fold, from falling down. That yeah. was, and we had no freezer, no freezer, yeah. no fridge, no real, um, no real kitchen. And it was shaking all of the time. That was, that was wearing me down. After that, yeah. I was very appreciative of, I mean, everything which didn't move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, it's interesting because you you could look at something like that as a luxury, or you can look at like you know a Tesla or a yacht as a luxury, and um, I think both both are correct. You know, yeah. I have a friend who bought a Tesla and a, a used Tesla mm -hmm. because he was traveling so much and 
it was between Cologne, Berlin, and Croatia. Mm. And he was mostly driving. And the first version of the Tesla had um, the superchargers included. Oh, wow. So he had to pay a big amount of money up front, but then he had basically no maintaining costs. Yeah. He could just say, well, I'm driving to Croatia. He, yeah. he could say, I'm going to drive 20 hours and I'm only making a, a break when I have to recharge the battery and, and he has to look where the superchargers are and it's for free. Wow. So for him, it made sense. Made sense, yeah. yeah absolutely. absolutely. And that's, you know, that's, that's, I think, where minimalism and simplicity, that's where it comes in and that's really where it's such a valuable tool because instead of being told what you should have, you actually get to decide for yourself, like, what is it that I actually need? So, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, a, that's awesome. What is something that you struggled to let go of? And once you did, you were happy you did it. Oh, man. You know, I don't, as far as physical possessions, I can't think of, I mean, when I, when I let go of my car, I had like a nice Toyota Avalon, you know, with all the bells and whistles. But then I sold that and I bought this 2004 Toyota Corolla. So I, re I didn't really, it wasn't that hard of a decision. What really made it difficult was like I would show up because I was still on a couple boards. Um, even after I left my corporate job, there were some boards that I sat on. And like the, the C, like one of the CEOs, I was walking out to my car after a board meeting and he was like, I, I don't like, he's like, I don't like your car. And I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, it's just the car. He was like, mm. he's like, I don't like it. So he was like judging me off of this 2004 Toyota Corolla. So it was a little, it was a little difficult to get through, but that brings me to really like what I had to let go of that was the most difficult was my identity. Like I had wrapped myself up into this corporate position and, you know, being the manager, the, the business, uh, business marketing and sales manager of 150 retail stores. And, you yeah. know, when someone, when someone asked me what I, you know, what do you do? I had a really good answer for it. And it was hard for me to come up with a new answer. You know? And how did you, how did you make that happen? I mean, if I look at you now, long hair, <laughs> a bit, a bit of beard. I like, by the way, I like your shoes. Thanks, um, thank you, thank you. are these are they self-made or did you buy them oh the zero uh they're zero shoes and they're, they're zero they're, shoes okay yeah well yeah i i used well i thought i i knew that they were hirachis and i thought they might be zero shoes but i i, I wasn't i wasn't yeah. sure i had zero shoes on my um 2013 solo sahara tour so i went solo to sahara and i wanted to walk for weeks and um, the little knot that you that you have to make under the shoe, yes. this was giving me a big blister, and I had to quit my Sahara, my Sahara tour because my my feet were falling apart. Yeah, um, no, I, you know, I always say they're the best shoes I've ever owned. But there's a two week period of getting blisters and calluses, yeah. like, um, <clears throat> and so when I lived in Montana, you can't wear them year round. So there was the winter, where, you know, where I would stop wearing them. And then we, yeah. When I had so when the when the spring came back around and I could start wearing them again, I never wore them for more than like uh, a mile or two walk because mm -hmm. of that exact problem. But uh, but yeah, there's definitely some like 
calluses and some some things you your feet have to get used to to like to wear some shoes like yeah. that yeah it's but yeah. i after that after that i figured it out and i ran a couple of ultra marathons with uh with sandals and oh, wow. i crossed the alps from from north to to south in a, in a competition oh, wow. even wow and uh, so it is completely possible and it it mm. it once again there is no perfect like with so many other things there mm. is not the one perfect shoe but these i mean they are so simple if they break mm. down you can just tie them back up i i don't know how many times i've been so multiple times in sahara and a couple of times i i, I wore them through and then i was just sitting down and i was just the crazy yeah. german the crazy german is fixing his <laughs> shoes again so, but yeah it's perfect sand in sand out <laughs> yeah the only thing they're not good for is water if you go into the water with them like that's the one thing i have found that like it they're very very bad for like going into the river or the creek um, yeah, but other they than get that, slippery. Yeah, they get slippery and like they almost act like a flipper because the water gets caught and it pulls yeah. away from your foot. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I've, I've been there. Yeah. When we started, when we started our our conversation, you said um, you have been in uh, in a lot of interviews over the last days. Mm, yeah, and. Um, We, you ask me in detail how I am doing. Mm. So, what is going on in your mind at the moment? Oh man, you know, I'm really, I'm trying to find a new way to talk about, not a new way, I'm trying to find a way to talk about what the minimalists and how we use minimalism in our lives. I'm, I'm really trying to find a way to take that a little bit deeper. Mm -hmm. and you know the the packing party story and you know the um 30 day minimalism game which those are wonderful tools and like i love talking about that stuff but there's something there's something so much deeper going on with consumerism i'm really trying to get to that and i'm having i'm having a really fun slash you know difficult time like articulating you know where it is in my heart but um But you know, I'm 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 getting there, and like the interviews I've done over this last week, you know, I I love talking about those how-to things. But there's there's a much deeper why to that I've been trying to get to lately. So my mind has been there, really, on how do I communicate what we do in a way that can really touch people's hearts. And you know, I'm happy to talk about the the packing party, just so your listeners know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's. I started my minimalist journey with a packing party where I packed up all my belongings and pretended like I was moving. And then I unpacked items as I needed it day by day for three weeks. And it was, it was awesome. I, I really, it helped me change my state. It helped me really visualize, you know, all of these <laughs> things I brought into my life and what was actually adding value and, and what wasn't. So I had 80% after those three weeks, I had 80% of my stuff still sitting in those boxes. And that was like my light bulb moment of, oh, here are all these things I brought into my life to make me happy that, that weren't doing their job. So I donated, I sold, I recycled all of it. And that's where the minimalists.com started was with that packing party story. So at the time, that story was everything. It was mm, like, yeah. it was, it was my, when it yeah. touched me. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like, it was everything. Good. Yeah, well, I, I, I did, um, I did my packing party. Ha! Huh. 
I wanted to say extreme, but on the other say, on the other way, it wasn't extreme at all because I knew already about the packing party and I read about you. Mm. And um, then I met my girlfriend and the next day I moved in and I moved in with basically a handbag. And then I just went home to get the stuff I really needed. Mm -hmm. And then after a month or two, I was like, okay, what am I going to do with my my apartment now? And I went back home and I already stepped down from the, from the penthouse and I went there and it was full mm. and I didn't need anything of that. I was like, <laughs> shit, I have to carry this somewhere now. Yeah. And um, I think then, and then I, I think for, for weeks, I only went there to put stuff in boxes because I already sold it on eBay. Mm -hmm. So there was like my, yeah, <laughs> my, my packing it. party was the, the whole, the whole house. Or the well, whole you know, house. our whole book, um, our new book coming out, love people use things. There's, there were dozens of families who did packing parties. Mm -hmm. Well, some of them did their whole house. Some of them just did a room. So there were different variations of it, but I don't want to undermine like how very important that story is and how, you know, how, how it was the, it was the catalyst for me. Yeah. And, and where I am today. Um, but, you know, the, the older I get, it's almost like, I don't know, the more, the more you start to, you know, dig a little bit deeper in your mind and kind of yeah. see where, where, where all of this comes from. And that's, that's why we wrote Love People Use Things, because we want to get a little bit deeper than the how-to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well... We quit. We could. We could. We could stop our conversation here because that is. Um, um, I think it's that's the point mm. for me, or for my, my personal journey. That was a a, a light bulb moment mm -hmm. when I in my life. So very personal. This is what I, I'm. I, I'm talking about myself. Well. One of the last guests was Mike Mandel. He's one of the one of the greatest living hypnotists, and oh. um, um, and by the way, the two shows before Mike, there was a guy called Martin Oetting, and he's mm. just making a documentary about well-being economy economies. Mm. It's super interesting because he was talking to well government um, leaders that don't want to measure. The um, oh, Bruttoinlandsprodukt is it in German? Well, how do you the gross income product? How do you call that gross income product? Are you talking yes. like passive? Okay, and okay. they want to change this to well-being. There's Scotland, Sc Scotland, Italy, and uh, and Iceland. They already signed that, so he wants to have a shift in in in, in the whole society. So that's quite interesting. Um, Because now that you are talking about uh, going going much deeper, and ha, huh, and what did Mike say? Mike said, "Did you ever try to forget something that you wanted to remember?" <laughs> <laughs> huh, it's gone. Maybe it's may, maybe maybe it maybe it will yeah. come back. Oh, yeah. I lost it. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen that that often to me. Mm. Um. Mm. I love that saying. What? You ever forgot something you try to remember? <laughs> yeah, that's Mike. That's Mike also. So Mike it. is a Mike is a really brilliant. And he had a. There was one one thing that he keeps referring to, and it was 
fitting perfectly the situation mm. at the moment. But it's it's gone for now. Maybe it will come back later. Um, decluttering, what I want to talk about. Oh, yeah, self-referencing. Hmm. And mm. Mike does a lot of self-referencing. And mm. um, his wife is calling him out on this. We talked about this on the, on the, on the um, podcast as well, where mm. he said, yeah, well, you know, my life is the only life I ever lived. I can't re reference to anything else. So right. this yeah. is why I was self-referencing again. Yeah. Um, because what I discovered is that after I got rid of a lot of physical, for me, that was easier. I was mm. living all in my head up here mm -hmm. and not in the heart. Mm. And not in the gut feeling at all. Mm. For me, everything needed to make sense. I was, I was pushed that way. And I thought I have to make, I have to make something right before I can live the life I want. Mm. I have to prove everyone else that I can do it. And because now I'm rich and successful and I, whatsoever, now I can do whatever I want. Now I and can then, enjoy life. Yeah. And then you can, yeah. Yes, Isn't that then, funny how we, we, we tell ourselves that? That's where I was. Yeah. After I got, and, and this getting rid of physical items, mm -hmm. it was easy because I can sit down and look at the physical items. And if I do something stupid or something simple as the packing party mm. or this uh, where you are giving one item away today two items tomorrow what i did for myself is mm. i said for every item that i let in my let into my life i have to get rid of two yeah Very one simple. in two out yeah yes. one in two out yeah absolutely and this i did this for half a year and i bought a lot in that year because mm -hmm. i was preparing for 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 sahara but i got rid of so many other things for me that was simple because i could look there i didn't have to deal with my numerous feelings and fear of failure and whatsoever i could say okay well i want to have this what do i want to get rid of and after i did this enough I cleared my mind and mm. all of a sudden I saw all these limiting beliefs. Mm. And all of a sudden I saw the way I'm communicating, the language I'm using, the way I'm treating other people. Because yeah. before that, my life was too cluttered with physical stuff. Now that this got clear and I, I, I gained a lot of freedom. Yeah. And all of yeah. a sudden that freedom was around in my head and got stuck with these limiting beliefs. Mm. And this is why I, why I wanted to add happiness that because it's somehow an insight mm. feeling, you know, let's talk about happiness for a second. Yeah. You know, it's in the, in the American constitution, it's written you know, every man has the right in the pursuit of happiness. And over the last five or six years, I've actually kind of shifted that pursuit in my mind because hap what, what is happiness? Happiness is for me, it's like this, it was always this, um, it was the dopamine hits. It was the, Oh, um, you know, I, I get, I got the nice car dopamine hit. I'm happy, but then it, you know, it, it wanes, it wears off very quickly. And when I think about chasing happiness, specifically when it comes to consumerism, you know, that's what I did throughout my twenties. 
And I would argue, Flo, that like I did obtain happiness. I would have it, I'd grab it, it was in my hand, and then it was gone. It was, it's, it's, it was very ephemeral. And I think about, and I, go ahead. No, 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 no. I just had had a question. Was it happiness or was it excitement? Which the two of those can be very confusing sometimes. I I think that it was probably a little bit of excitement, but I also think that what I thought was happiness and maybe what I thought was happiness was actually excitement. But, you know, happiness is a very, is a very ephemeral. I I think happiness is still a very ephemeral thing. So, I think about the, ha- the times when I'm happy, I feel very almost manic. You know, I feel so joyful and I'm connecting with someone. I am able to be myself. I'm able to listen to someone, you know, like there's, there's always this feeling of elation that happens. So if you, if you look at like, look at like a graph where, where this is X and this is Y, let's say that you know, I could, let's say this is the baseline happiness. Okay. And I could give, I could hand out a pill and I can make someone feel this happy. And all of a sudden it raises and they take that pill every day. Well, what happens is, is your brain neutralized. Yeah. Yeah, It levels out. So then that up here, actually that just moves up. Now you're here. So it's the same with the luxury and the hot shower. yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think happiness is kind of, there's nothing wrong with happiness. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be happy. But for me, what I have found is that cultivating and pursuing a meaningful life is so, it's so much more longer lasting than happiness. And here's, and, and what I mean by living a meaningful life, it's when, it's when our, our actions align with our values. Now I'm not perfect at this. No one's absolutely perfect at this. But when <laughs> our life, <laughs> at least what, I haven't I haven't seen anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you know when our actions align with our values, we may not be happy, but we can look in the mirror and we can say, you know what, we did our best today. We absolutely did everything we could, and make. And the reason why no one's perfect with it is because sometimes it's easier, and you actually get the dopamine hits when you when you take an action that doesn't align with your values. I think about when I was in the corporate world, I was doing a lot of drugs. I was drinking a lot of alcohol and it was a very, very quick fix to get to that, that dopamine hit, to get to that, uh, that level of, and I truly felt like there was a certain point, um, where I felt like I could connect better with people when I was on, uh, drugs. I, I felt like there was, I was more open. I felt myself. I felt like people liked me more. And, and that is, you know, specifically with drugs, that, that's kind of the lie that the drugs tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, but every time that drug would wear off, I felt so guilty because it's like, man, what are you doing? Like, do I really need drugs like to connect with people? So, you know, that, that's what I mean by sometimes our actions, they don't align with our values because the quick fix is actually going against our values. So yeah. now, you know, pr- pursuing a meaningful life it sucks sometimes, you know, like I, you know, I have to turn down a lot of, um, for example, like ad revenue. We don't do any advertisements with the minimalists. We get offered a lot of money for advertisements. And we now, have to, yeah, now. right. Right. And we, and we have to turn that away because it wouldn't be in alignment with our values, but the quick fix would be like, you know what, we'll just make an exception. Our audience will understand and we'll go ahead and start doing ads. 
So there, there are a lot of there are a lot of uh, difficult decisions that we have to make that are in alignment with our values. And in the yeah. short term, they're painful, but in the long term, it's so much more worth it. Yeah. So that, that's why I'm really trying to emphasize a meaningful life. Because here's the thing about living a meaningful yeah. life too, Flo. If you yeah. pursue a meaningful life, the happiness, you will get these glimpses of happiness. So, you know, happiness is a byproduct of living a meaningful life, if that makes any sense. That's kind of where my philosophy is today. Yeah. I was thinking about snowboarding. And when you when you when you when you hit that when you have the powder when you hit that, hit that perfect kicker oh, yeah. and and you have the smooth landing this is i mean it's a perfect moment yes but it's not true happiness mm, no because that's excitement yeah, yeah. <laughs> and therefore i think a happy life also has excitement But it's mm -hmm. also going up and down. And for me, um, or in my understanding, I met some I met some older, very happy people in Sahara that owned almost nothing and in Tanzania. Mm. But they had more than they needed. Mm. And This true happiness is, I think, rooted in a very humble feeling. It's not that I'm doing action, I'm going to be on the stage. Well, I always thought I'll be happy because I'm so proud when I'm on stage and people are applauding to me. And what happens? There's this one person who's not applauding and I'm just watching him. Yeah. So it's my expectations and not meeting my expectations. On the other hand, when I had a perfect day out snowboarding, and maybe I had some perfect jumps, maybe I had none, but the day was nice, with nice people. And I'm sitting in the evening in the hot tub watching the star falling stars. Then I can say, well, I'm truly happy, but I'm not doing so much. And there's, um, you were you were you were talking about something that reminded me of a, of of a, a piece of my philosophy. When I do hypnosis with somebody, really good coaching, a really, when I'm able to build a very good connection, and both of us are tuning down. And mm. I'm, when I do the hypnosis and somebody, I can see that the person is deeper and deeper within themselves. Mm. There is a point when you can almost hear your soul speak. Mm. and most people even if they don't like themselves if you get them to completely calm down they say well deep in my heart I'm a good person mm. I'm just so often too busy <laughs> to be me yeah and and um, when you when you say well the soul already knows who you are mm. When you now, when you're now able to think accordingly, and then speak accordingly to your thoughts, and then act accordingly to your sayings, then all of a sudden you create an interaction with the world because everything we do is inside our head, inside our own body. But as soon as we do an, an, a physical action, 
we are interfering with the outside world. And what happens is when we do something with the outside world, we get a response. And that response goes through our senses, smell, mm. taste, see, um, seeing, hearing, feeling. Yeah. And when you, when you create something, when you act congruent with yourself, then you're creating a response which fits your soul. And all of a sudden the emotion, because the emotion is what we have when we are interacting with the physical world. Yeah. And all of a sudden we get an emotion which is congruent. And all of a sudden we have the feeling, yes, that's me. Yeah. Isn't that the best feeling, man? And we don't need a lot of stuff for that. No, we don't. We don't. I'll tell you, you know, once you, what I'm hearing you say too, could also be described as learning how to love yourself. And, you know, it's interesting when one can truly love themselves because they can get there by their actions aligning with their values. It's the most, um, like it's, that's, that's a very freeing feeling. Like I, it took me a while to get to that point where I truly love myself. Um, before I got there, anytime someone maybe would judge me, whatever, whatever they were judging me on, it, you know, I would take it personally and it would stay in my mind and I'd lose sleep. And why does that person think that about me? And, and but like now, because I am, I have never lived a more authentic life. Like now, if someone throws a judgment at me, I just kind of look back and I'm like, oh, like they're in pain. Like they, like I'm able to actually see it for what it is. And I can ask myself, is this judgment for me or, or is yeah. it for them? And um, yeah, it's just, it's a very, uh, I don't know. I wish I, I wish I could bottle that and sell it like that or give it away. I wish I could bottle it and give it away. You know, like <laughs> that is, that, that is, I think, um, and maybe that is why I think you resonate with me so much flow. Uh, and why my heart is still talking to you is because I can, mm. I can, I can sense that you are living a very authentic life and I love talking to and associating with authentic people because, you know, uh, people like you and me, we know we don't have it figured out, but we know no. that we have it figured out for ourselves a little bit, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just, this is why I was nodding when you were telling this, because I know what you are talking about. And mm. sometimes I'm there, but mm. on other days, I feel like I'm the most complicated person to be around because it's, well, it's so difficult. I have, whatever you call it, maybe it's the ego. It's, yeah. it's getting in my way so often and, and I'm taking things personal. So I have to step yeah. back and tell me what, what you just said. Yeah. Um, you got to ask yourself, why am I taking that personally? What, what truth is that speaking to? Because that person meant it personal. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> it doesn't exactly. like me. Yeah. 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 And I'm causing a lot of distractions among mm. the people around me. Mm. Well, you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around me. Right. Yeah. I changed a lot of them and I went through some very, very, very quiet times because people just thought I'm an egoistic, arrogant mm. piece of myself. And after a while they said, well, 
I don't know what you're doing, but somehow it's working for you, isn't it? Yeah. And you know what? I, I'll tell you, that's how it's been in my life too. When I first started The Minimalists, it's, you know, and very rightfully so, like, you know, people thought the same thing. Like, who, who does Ryan think he is to call himself The Minimalists, you know? And I was, I was like, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but really I'm on this journey that I'm really happy that I can share with other people. But, you know, there were some family members who up until literally this year, I had a family member who reached out to me every time I saw them, they kind of always given me Hey, Hey, minimalist. How's it going? You know, like they're kind of always like jabbing me, but this year they reached out to me and they said, Hey, um, I have some friends who are very inspired by your work and it would be amazing if you could send me some autographed books for my friends. And what I, and what <laughs> I found out, yeah. And what I found out, so this is 10 years later that he, you know, that he yeah. didn't have something negative to say about, uh, about, you know, what me and Josh were doing. But, but, you know, when you live an authentic life, the, the people around you, the, the closest people, they will do one of two things. They will separate themselves from you or eventually they will see how you are living an authentic life. They will see how you are trying to do what you can for yourself to be happy. And like the people who truly love you, they're going to eventually support you because and actions speak louder than words. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Oh, man. Ryan, um, I, I. I could uh, I could do that all night long, yeah. um, but you told me that you have to leave about now. Yeah, I have one one question left for you. Sure. Yeah. Um, what is it that I could do for you? <laughs> you know what, man? Uh, I don't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> flow. Just keep being yourself, man. Like do for, you know, these meaningful conversations, just keep having those meaningful conversations with people. Yeah. No, like, I mean, nothing, yeah. yes. And I precise. For, oh, okay. I'll tell you what you can do for me personally. Eric, I mean, if, if you want to do me a favor, actually yes. what has been going through my head that I've, I wanted to talk to you about after this call, but we can talk about it on, uh, you know, with your audience here. I would, I've never been to Africa. I would love to go to Africa. So um, if, if you want to go to Africa with me, then uh, you let, you know, once the travel restrictions get lifted and it's a little yeah. safer to travel, let's, let's go to Africa. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come to Switzerland and go snowboarding as well. So those are two things that you can do for me, brother. <laughs> well, <laughs> be my guest. All right. Awesome. Be my yeah, guest. My, my wife and I, we, we've been talking. We actually had a trip planned to Africa and then COVID hit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. let's, uh, let's, keep, let's keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, Ryan, make sure, well, now that we've, <laughs> that I was finally brave enough <laughs> to talk to you, um, yeah, make sure to drop me a note whenever, whenever there is something else I can do for you. We'll talk about this a little bit later. Sure. Um, keep up, keep up your work. Thank you. Oh, Likewise. Be, yeah. Be yourself. You're reaching so many people and um, you're making my work so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And then, you know, anything we can do for you too. I mean, uh, we would, yeah, I'd love to, if you're, if you're ever in Los Angeles, um, we could certainly talk about, you know, being on the podcast or if you've got a book or something you want me to put out on the social medias, you know, let me know. I'm happy to help however I can, but um, yeah, this is, uh, if this is the last time we talk to each other, um, Flo, this has been... no. Very meaningful, man. You know what? Can I, can I say, can I backtrack a little bit and talk about one more thing? Yes. We, we talked, you talked about the ego 
and I had this realization, this is a very recent realization. You tell me if I'm like way off base or if this makes sense at all. And this is like within the last couple of weeks I've had this realization. We're constantly fighting the ego and to the point where someone like you and I, we get to a point where we're like, we need to let go of the ego and we need to uh, step away from it as much as possible. But I had this realization that if one could completely let go of the ego, then they might become a rock. They might become an inanimate object. Like the ego is almost what defines humanity to me. So I'm just, again, I'm not, this isn't where I'm planting my flag. This is just a recent thought that I had, and I, I want to get your perspective on it. I, I feel like the ego actually isn't a bad thing. It's, 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 it's a tool that we get to decide how we use that ego. So I don't know how you feel about that, but I feel like if, if I was able to like tw- take some tweezers and pluck the ego out of you, you know, we wouldn't be able to even have this conversation. I feel like I you just, would be a rock. <laughs> I'm just working on having a nicer ego. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but you know, but yeah. I think that's how we need to start talking about the ego instead of talking about how bad the ego is and, Yeah, well, I didn't say I didn't say ego is bad in general. I said my ego. <laughs> right, right, right. That's my true. ego is an asshole, and it used to be much worse. Well, yeah, mine too. <laughs> do you want to have one um, idea of mine? Of yeah, this? yeah. What do you think about all that? I think that every coin comes with a flip side. Mm-hmm. So there is a very interesting a very interesting thought in the book from Neil Donald Walsh, whatever his name correctly is, um, um, Conversations with God. Mm. He said there was a point of singularity when everything was in the same point, all the energy, all the matter, everything. I mean, you and me, we were the same point, not even a dot, a point in the universe. And he said, Back then, it was the all-knowing. I mean, if there is any knowledge somewhere in the world, it used to be in that one point. But the problem was that that there is no knowing or there is only knowing, but no realization without the experience. And the moment that that one point blew apart, All of a sudden, the which used to be one point could realize itself. Because mm. in order to see himself, he or it needed a piece which was not itself. Mm. It's much easier to look at you and make a judgment about you than about myself. Right. And therefore this may might only be um, a learning experience for all of the world and all the bad and all the evil. Mm-hmm. Maybe it has to exist for all the good because it's all, it, it has the same roots. Yeah. And therefore maybe we need that, that ego because that ego is, um, so if there's a soul, soul, body, mind, and that mind could be the ego. It's helping us to perform in that world because our soul is the same it has always been. Mm. And the soul knows 
mm. who it is. But the ego is the one experienced. The ego is the one like a teenage kid. So it's screwing up and then it's learning something from the outside and it thinks this is the truth and now it has to be like this. And mm. maybe this is the learning experience. Maybe all of life is just a learning experience to experience yeah. what you have not experienced before. And therefore you might need an ego that is an asshole. <laughs> right, yeah. Oh, I love that. So even... Even when you have the bad ego, it still can be the process of life in the sense that you have yeah. to learn what it's like to be an asshole because that's or to part deal of the with it or to, yeah, or to deal it. with it. Yeah. Oh, the, wow. The I love soul, that. I mean, if the soul, maybe the soul is just a good or maybe just a lonely kid. Yeah. And now you have that super big asshole ego. Mm-hmm. And maybe you figure it out yourself, or maybe it's just a learning experience for all the people surrounding these super ego. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, I like that a lot. Well, you know, I, Josh and I, we, we have been talking about lately withholding value judgments from things. So, you know, like the ego, instead of looking at it like it's bad, looking at it like it's good, it's both, you know? It is. And um, yeah, I, and I think the way, the way you just described it, it has, Help me get closer to kind of withholding a value judgment with that word ego. Yeah, that was beautiful, man. Well, then I would say I talk to you again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah even if it's just us, you know, catching up over Skype, man. I don't, have, you know, we don't have to be in each other's podcast. Let's just let's just keep these conversations going. This is beautiful, man. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your thoughts and all the work and. Um, I'll hope to have you back. Thank you for everything. Yeah, likewise. Thank you, Flo. This has been great. <laughs> And um, you listeners, I talk to you in a week. <laughs> <laughs>